0: Okay, welcome to Marketing Management Money, the small business podcast with your host Ryan Murray, Ethan Miliori. Uh, we are going to tackle a topic today. It's uh, very opinionated, very charged. Uh, you know everyone everyone has their own take on this, and uh, as much as there there is data to support uh, certain aspects of this. A lot of it uh, becomes just kind of subjective, and the the problem. Well, okay, let me let me give the topic before I start even going into it, because otherwise I'm just going to make this really confusing. So I want to talk about bad management, and I want to talk about when uh, we think that we're not the problem, but we are. And a lot of times what happens is, you know, as a manager, you assume that your role is to fix problems. And so you look at your employees, you look at processes, you look at everything outside of you, like you're looking outside of you to try and fix these problems. Now, a lot of times people do a little bit of uh, internal reflection, you know, especially this time of year, people are into, you know, goal setting with the new year and they're trying to think of how do I want to improve myself? And I find that human nature is that we look at minor things to improve. We're like, yeah, I should probably spend 15 minutes a day, you know, reading, uh, you know, reading on a new topic. And that's what we think we need to change about ourselves. But then we look at our departments or we look at our uh, companies or we look at our, uh, you know, employees or whatever. And we're like, okay, you guys need to be doing this. You need to be doing this. You need to be doing And so externally, it's always this idea of, oh, man, there's so much that everyone is doing wrong. But for me, my goal is to spend, you know, five minutes doing meditation. <laughs> And so I, I want to get into how how can we be a little bit more realistic when we're looking in the mirror? Uh, when should we be looking in the mirror as opposed to trying to tell someone else that they need to change? you know I I think that uh, as managers uh, we we love to take credit when something goes well. But when something you know falls apart, well, I didn't do that. I mean, I told this guy that he was supposed to get that report to me last week. He never got the report to me. So how was I supposed to know that? But you know, all of a sudden something goes well, and it's this idea of, well, yeah. I mean, that's been our strategy. From the beginning, and, you know, I put that in place. Yeah, I so so I, I, I want to talk about this, and uh, we're going to start a little bit on kind of the anecdotal side, uh, and then I want to move into some specific actions uh, or some specific things that I've noticed in working with uh, entrepreneurs that, you know, as, as a manager, you really should be you know be be checking yourself against and and using other people to help keep you in check.
1: You know and there's there's some areas that no matter what you do as a as a manager even if you're trying to improve it that that it's just a gray area you're you're not you're not going to really win and let me give you an, <laughs> an example so that so that if you're looking at ways to improve you don't go down this pathway but um read a survey just recently about receiving criticism in the workplace Mm -hmm. and it was super interesting that everyone says yes i i'm open to receiving criticism but the other side of the survey was all right when the criticism was given how many people were offended Mm -hmm. it was a high number Mm -hmm. even though we say we wanted it was a high number so as a as a manager you kind of need to understand that if I give criticism, it's likely going to offend them, mm-hmm. even when it's not intended to, and even when they say they're open to it. So so if you're, one of your goals is, hey, I want to communicate better, I want to be able to help improve, know that there's some areas that you can work on that a long time, and it's going to have very little to small success. It's just the nature of the beast. But there's other areas you can have a lot of success when you get into – uh, areas that are about productivity and efficiencies and things like that, where I think you can make huge strides and improvements for people, versus the other ones where the just the nature of it—I I don't know why—but we we say we're open to it, but we're really not. So I was listening to this comedian
0: uh, last week, week before, and uh, he said he's like the the phrase with all due respect. <laughs> is never followed by respect. No. <laughs> and it really got me thinking about,
1: there are certain phrases yeah. where it's... Am I allowed to speak freely? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but choose your words wisely. <laughs> you know, oh,
0: and, and so I, I think the first... The first thing to point out is that we are humans and we're trying. Everyone wants to look at themselves as I can take it. I've got thick skin. Mm-hmm. I don't get emotionally attached to things. I'm always a logical. Which, by the way, if you think you're always a logical uh, thinker, first off, you're incorrect. But secondly, that's not a good thing to try and achieve. Like you really want to achieve a healthy balance of logic and emotion because if you only make logical decisions, those are really bad decisions. Yeah. And, and, And so having emotional, and this is one thing that, oh, I get very, very frustrated with this. There's this idea and it, It tends to boil into, you know, uh, male and female where females get criticized for their emotions. I'm like, you guys have no idea how powerful that is for the success of your company. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have an emotional thinker on your team, embrace that. You you need to, you know,
1: encourage that. I know you and I have talked about this. I don't know if we've done it in a podcast or just in, you know, as our side conversations that Mm -hmm. we have all the time, but but one one factor that is guaranteed to show success is passion and grit yeah so if you don't have and those are tied to emotion mm-hmm. that 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 emotional strength to fight through things which is which is tied to emotions um but passion and grit are critical to change mhm
0: i was talking to an entrepreneur yesterday and uh He's worth, you know, I I don't know exactly how many millions, but uh I made this comment to him. I said, You do realize that you could retire today and maintain your lifestyle. And it's a it's a fancy lifestyle, you know. He he likes to live it up. Mm-hmm. A- and I'm like, you have enough money that you can live this lifestyle the rest of your life. You have no need to ever start another business. You have no need to manage your current businesses. You could sell every single one of them and you would be there. And I made this comment to him. I said, so any business that you're doing now has nothing to do with you trying to make money. It's that you have a passion and a drive for business. You always want the next big deal. And so, you know, what you're talking about, like logically speaking, if we were only logical, we should set, you know, a lifestyle, put a dollar amount to that, achieve that dollar amount, and then just stop. Yeah, but but we don't, you know. We want more. We have this drive. We have this passion, which is healthy. It's a good thing. So, um, okay. So the the you know jumping back to this management thing is to recognize that we are emotional creatures, and we have emotions. And so anyone that tries to filter out emotions and say you can tell me anything, I won't get offended. I'm like, no, you you will. You know, what you do with that offense, that can be, you know.
1: That. Yeah, yeah. how you take the information, then you can use emotions in a positive or a negative way. Yeah. You know. and, you, that's, and that's one, as a matter of fact, that's one of the traits when we talk about, uh, are you a bad manager? Is, are you able to channel those emotions for productive ways instead of, critical and demoralizing ways, you know, mm-hmm. where, you, where you're going to destroy things instead of build things up because emotions do both. And that's, so that's one of the things I would always say when you talk about bad managers, that's the question you need to ask is do my actions giving those situations when the emotions uh, or energy gets high in a room, uh, am I constructive with them mm-hmm. or am I destructive with them? Yeah. And I think the follow-up to that is to ask, when do you walk
0: away because everyone should, if you never walk oh, away, you should walk
1: away probably often. Yes, you know, at least, at least, and by and I better put my definition on your definition on walk away. Yes. You correct me by the name. Walk away is enough time to get down to where you have control of your emotions before you say something stupid mm-hmm. or you make a decision that's uh, going to have consequences. Because a lot of times, walking away allows you to just. Calm down enough to where now you can deal with it appropriately. Yeah. So which might be five minutes or might be a two days, mm-hmm. you know, but whatever that time period is, Yeah. but you're not walking away as, and I'm not going to address the issue. I'm walking away till I'm in control.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I would agree completely with that definition. I think that's an excellent definition. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a situation where uh, one of the people that I manage, uh, you know, I sent an email off to them And uh, it was actually a group email, and they replied back to me privately, and they're just like, did you really just say that? (laughs) And I read my email, like, what are you getting after me for, you know? And so I sent another email back, and I'm like, did what I say offend you? And they're like, yes, it did. And my gut response was, toughen up, put your big boy (laughs) pants on, you know? And and, and so what I did... (laughs) Is I sent an email back that I said, I'm sorry, it was not meant to be offensive and just left it at that, right? Then the next day I reached out to the employee and I asked them, I'm like, so what was up with all that? And they're like, oh, I was just stressed with another thing going on. And so because I had walked away, nothing came of it. And, and you know, they actually thanked me. They're just like, hey, you
1: know, thank you for reaching out and just making
0: sure that things were okay.
1: Well, and, and you'll find that a good manager has a high level of uh, emotional IQ. Mm-hmm. So they, they're able to recognize stuff like that. And that's kind of funny when you said that. It reminded me uh, end of last week sitting in a meeting uh, with a colleague of mine who I have a high level of respect for, I think is just a fantastic leader. Some things were said in the meeting, and I was kind of like, ooh, and and interesting enough that the individual who i have this ton of respect for who looks kind of looks at his phone um kind of gets up and leaves the room and i thought oh that was kind of interesting but you know something must have been important well afterwards talking to that individual mm-hmm. they said to me he says um yeah when that went down i was just about to lose it and i thought i need to leave for just a minute so they looked at their phone as an excuse to slip out of a meeting for a minute why they regathered themselves before they did something and I thought wow that's a super high level of emotional IQ um to be able to deal with that one to where now wasn't the time to say anything and even though people maybe were looking for something to be said he's like no, nah, it wasn't the time so I had to have an excuse to excuse myself and then so I can deal with it a different time when it is appropriate and I thought wow that's but that I mean that I wasn't surprised um uh, I was, but I wasn't surprised because that individual is just a fantastic leader yeah
0: yeah and and so I think that I think that sums up really well this concept is, is to say that you know in management, if you're trying to not be a bad manager, you don't have to have every solution, you don't have Correct. to solve everything Correct. immediately. you have to be able to you know, put prioritization as to when you should take care of something and when you should walk away. You know, so so I think that's a really good, you know, a really good thing. I I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about. Well, can
1: I? Can we stand up for yeah, just a minute sure. so I don't lose your thought? Another one I want to say because it's kind of tied to this is that uh, I think a sign of a bad manager though is when people come to them with a problem, they always give a solution immediately. Yes. Versus a good manager will always say what are your solutions? Mm-hmm. You, you, you're putting that burden and that ability for them to be proactive and think and take some ownership for what's going on in their departments, uh, jobs, priorities, et cetera, by them actually exercising their intellectual capacity to, to think through the problem and analyze it. So you're building that culture by allowing them to do it. And then if you're not quite in favor, then you counsel and you work through to find that amenable answer. But a bad manager will always just give an answer, get out of my way, Here's, here's what you do. Well, and that's not, uh, it's always, you should always ask, what are your solutions?
0: And the interesting thing. So I actually want to change the word solution here for a second, because sometimes when an employee is coming up and you're like, what is your solution? They may or may not have a solution. Most of the time mm-hmm. they actually do. But Every time they've put thought into it before they, even if it's the thought that it took them, you know, from the time they read the email to walked down to your office, there has been some thought that they have put into it. Yeah. And and so, you know, if you ask and say, what's your solution? They're like, well, I don't have a solution. I came to you because I don't have a solution. Ask the follow-up question. What are your thoughts? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good point. Because they... They've put something into it. They have perspective, and, you know, and so I, I think that's valuable. Good point that you brought up. Uh, definitely worth lingering on that for a second. You know, can I shift gears now? Yep, I'm really, a little anxious. Yep, please. <laughs> Must be good. So um, when, when you have bad management, there are certain symptoms. Uh, you know, it's like when you start sneezing and coughing, uh, mm-hmm. it it mm-hmm. means that you've got a cold. The, the sneeze and the cough are actually, uh, they're your body trying to fix the cold, which I, I look at cough suppressants and I'm like, well, if it's a productive cough, you actually don't want to suppress it because now you're just keeping all of that gunk inside of you, mm-hmm. even though it's gross and management is the same way is, you know, if if people are starting to complain or if things are starting to pop up, those are symptoms of a bigger problem. And a lot of times, managers are going to try and just get rid of the complaints. Their whole goal is to eliminate the complaints. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Complaints are them telling you that something else is going on and so you got to take that complaint and you got to go a little bit further. So don't just try and hide the symptoms, try and get to the problem. So here's a big one, right? This is a this is a common symptom of bad management. And that is the difference between um like changing to avoid a problem versus growing to overcome problems and what will happen very often is you will have a you know like like a business will start working on on a goal all right oh we're going to have this goal and any goal that's worth doing is going to have roadblocks and the question that i have is when you hit those roadblocks how do you respond if you find that you're constantly bouncing everywhere if the the common you know, sentiment in your organization is, oh, we've tried that before. Oh, we've tried that before. Oh, we've tried that before. Like, well, yeah, you've tried that, but have you actually taken the time to get good at anything? Or as soon as it starts to get tough, do you pivot onto, you know, the next new shiny thing? And, and so, you know, as, as a manager, we're supposed to pivot. Like you shouldn't stay rigid. You've got to be flexible and change is inevitable. And so there's this balance between am I doing healthy change for the good of the company or am I doing change because I don't have the determination, the grit? You know, I mean, this topic keeps coming up. Do, do I have the grit to stick with something even when it's hard? Can I get through? You know, you look at the product lifecycle cycle. And that first uphill climb is called the shakeout. And what you're doing is you're getting rid of all the people who aren't going to make the climb. And all the money is had when you get to the top of that bell curve, the maturity or even on the decline side is still very – I mean, there's a ton of cash to be made on the decline of a product. And so you got to you got to make the uphill climb to enjoy the peak and enjoy the downhill. And and so, you know, as a manager, how do you know if you're pivoting because you don't want to get stuck in a rut versus you're pivoting because you don't have the tenacity to plow through that?
1: You know, we see it all the time in lifestyle businesses
0: where they've G- give a quick definition of lifestyle business
1: so a lifestyle business is someone who has generated enough income from their business to put gas in their boat so they can go boating every weekend yeah and that's all they care about you know as long as I have enough gas for my boat or you know enough money to you know buy a new pair of shoes so my for my hike this weekend i'm I'm happy i don't i'm not going to try to grow my business anymore because it's 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 meeting my base needs. You, you see a lot of people that they work their business to pay for their family vacation. Yeah. So e- even though from an outsider, we look at their business and say, wow, they they have so much more room for growth, but they don't want to take on any more employees. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I I only want to manage five employees. Well, why don't you hire 10 and hire a, an HR person to hire all 10? See what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. But they they won't. Yeah. So, so they've just created a lifestyle business that supports the lifestyle that they want and hence they don't grow anymore. Now, some people, their lifestyle, um, which is a good thing is that, uh, their lifestyle continues to increase and grow. So they have to grow their business to maintain it. Yeah. Um, but, but by definition, lifestyle means I've kind of plateaued or flattened out.
0: Now, now technically, if that's your goal, there's nothing wrong with a lifestyle business. Yeah, correct. You know, a lot of people want a lifestyle business, but a lot of people just settle for a lifestyle business.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think, uh, I don't even think. I know that uh, there's an, a huge number of business owners that plateau with a lifestyle business because they don't know how to take it to the next level. Yeah. They, they kind of get there, they plateau, they tinker with a few things, mm-hmm. but then they go back to that. Hey, I make the adjustment just to avoid the problem. See what I mean? Cause they weren't willing to make whatever sacrifice it was going to take to go to the next level because that's, uh, businesses, interesting enough, um, we talk about bell curves all the time, but most business growth is not a bell curve. It's businesses tend to have some growth and then they flip. Uh, plateau for a little bit, and then they have this step again. They jump up. There's, It's not these, you know, gradual curves that just kind of climb and, you know, have these little dips and climb. No, it's 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 more like steps, I would make a stronger argument for companies that grow. So I really want to talk about, uh, like, we've pulled you off
0: of your original comment about yeah, lifestyle that's, businesses that's and true. change versus <laughs> uh uh, but I, I, I want to talk about when we when we talk about growth how to uh, how to fuel that growth because that is a management decision. So l- let's go back to okay. your lifestyle and then and then we'll yeah. pivot on to talking so about if you fueling find on that
1: if you find that you're in your business and it feels like it's plateaued, it probably has. You have a choice to make now whether or not you're going to uh, find the solutions that allow you to take that next step to that next plateau or whether you're going to stay there. But I, inevitably, if you stay on that plateau, two things happen. You, you slowly, you never generally increase. You generally slowly start to, uh, I don't like the word decrease, but you trend down in all of your business activities. So you, you become less profitable sales decrease. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then you start to, well, it's the economy. So that's, that's keys for me. And I don't want to say bad manager, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad manager, but complacency sometimes is bad. And and a lot of times people are
0: like, Ah, I make the same that I made last year, you know, I'm just holding tight. Yeah. But your competition is always growing. So if you're holding the same, you're actually losing position. So you might have, you know, you look at your financials and you're like, well, my financials this year are as good as they were last year. Yeah, but your ability to sell your business has actually decreased. Correct. You know, and we talked about valuation just recently. And so, you know, there are other things that are slipping. You might be okay with that. Some people are, you know, they're retiring on their business. And so they're just going to take the money from the business and not really put a lot (laughs) into to it.
1: And, and I really, here's another, here's another thing that I think we forget. I, I know we forget way too fast and that is growth takes time. Mm-hmm. Just like in the garden, when you plant that seed uh, for those pepper plants or potatoes or whatever else you want to grow in your garden this year, carrots, um, you don't put the seed in the ground and come back tomorrow and have a carrot. Okay, <laughs> You plant it and then you come back after you've watered and weeded and mm-hmm you know, down a few, maybe a little bit of fertilizer. It takes a little bit of work to grow. Well, uh, funny enough, a lot of people think in a business that, hey, you know, I'm just going to increase my marketing a little bit and it's going to solve this whole problem. But when it doesn't, what do they do? They stop watering the garden per se, which is, so that that's what I would probably put it when you talk about this one using that garden analogy, good versus a bad manager is realizing that, the economic development, um, or business growth, I kind of put those in the same categories are long processes.
0: Well, okay. So this is, this is a really good thing when you talk about good management versus bad management, bad managers will set their timetable on things. And I see so many people that will try mm-hmm. and link it to like a calendar year or a quarter, you know, like, Oh, in, in Q2. Okay. We need to have this by the end of Q2. And, uh, you know, is that really, does that align with, with what it is? So you should take whoever. So let's say that, uh, you know, you, you, have got a software company, they're going to do an app, they're going to develop an app for you. Right. And you're a manager and you're saying, well, I want the app done by the end of Q1. Why? what what happens at the end of q1 the better approach you know if you want good management is you would go to that app development team and you would say okay what are all the what are all the milestones that we need to hit i want those broken down so that we can see them and then we're going to give ourselves an amount of time for those milestones and we're going to plan out what does this project look like and then we're going to come up with a date on this project and then we're going to factor in are there other competing projects that might pull us away because everyone looks at project management and they're like this is a 3 month project I'm like that's 3 months if you only do that that's assuming that in 3 months no one ever texts you or emails you to disrupt you like you get to just focus 100% and you're motivated and you're never sick
1: <laughs> so so
0: you know like have have we you know have we factored in those things and so bad managers impose their timetable on projects, on personnel, on processes. And then when it doesn't happen, they get upset or they pull resources, they pull funding, they pivot to another project because that one didn't happen fast enough. Really bad managers do that without letting you know. And they keep you working on a project that you're like... They've already killed and just don't want to say it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if 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 you want to be a manager, you need to understand. Hey, what is my team working on? Where are they spending their time? What what are their priorities? And if they don't align, you need right.
1: to sit there and align priorities. Yeah, and I I like that you brought out that working with that team on those milestones versus uh, dictating them. That that we're working with a lot of other people in there, knowing that. You, you may, you know, they may come back and say, I need four weeks. And you may say, look, um, because of certain reasons I'd really like it in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Can, can we figure out how to do it in three? Um, so there, there can be some negotiation in there. I don't, because I, you know, I always get a little bit worried that, well, I don't know. It depends. We know as owners and managers, which teams, which individuals are high performers, Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so we know when we give them a project, they're driven, uh, you know, they're driven by the project, not driven by hours per se. You know, they get paid to get things done, not to work hours. And so if you have those individuals and you know who they are, you know that when they tell you something, um, they're pretty confident and and they're they're not the ones just making up something because they don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, another thing is – um, probably a characteristic of a good and bad manager is those good ones understand which ones are their high performers, which ones they, so when they, when they receive information back from those high performers, they can trust it and they, they run off of it versus um, being skeptical of everyone because every company he has, you know, 80, percent of the people are just good. They're productive. They do their job. Sure. Okay. And then you have the outliers of, you know, it's probably probably 60% that are, you know, going off of Murphy's Law. 60% would say that most, you know, 60% of your employees are just good employees. They're there. They're going to put in their, their honest day. 20% of them are your high performers and 20% of them are the dead weight. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't care whatever you say, cut the dead weight out of a business. Uh, I've watched people try to do it and do it and do it. You, you always have some dead weight that you just, uh, you... You just, you have to start saying, all right, those are just low performers and we have them in those positions. They do enough to get us by, but they're not on the high pay scale. Right. You, you, we do, we, but we don't waste any of our time on them. We spend our time with the high performers. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a good manager, you should know who those individuals are to do that because a bad manager doesn't know that. And so hence, all of a sudden when a project doesn't get done, who do they hammer? the high performers because they're the ones who are generally rising to the top, uh, trying to do stuff. And so they're the ones who get destroyed. So what happens when they, when they get hammered, uh, they leave the organization. Yeah. They're like, I don't, I don't need to work for you Mm. because they're, I can go somewhere else and be appreciated. And and I I love that. Um, You know, you're talking about the
0: importance of the manager knowing who their team is and knowing who is in positions and accepting people in positions that aren't going to be top performers. Like bad management is thinking that everyone is a rock star or wanting everyone to be a rock star.
1: Everyone's worthless unless I'm always cracking the whip on them. Yeah. That's false. No, There's no truth behind either one of those. You're going to have a range of employees. That's right. And- I loved how you said keeping,
0: you know, low performing employees is just part of the game. What you want to get rid of is you want to get rid of toxic employees, people that are dragging yes. you down. Yeah. But really as a manager, look, if I'm paying someone 18 bucks an hour and I get, you know, the equivalent of 18 and a quarter out of them, mm-hmm. it's great, you know. I they're not bad for the company. Even though I'm like, dude, I get eighteen and a quarter out of you. That's not amazing, right? But they're not bad for the company. It's a positive ROI.
1: That you know, there's there's some positions you just have to fill. Mm-hmm. They're they're not you know they're they're just positions. Uh, I, anyways, I hope listeners understand where we're trying to go with that one. But but you you just have those positions and it's okay. But the, but too often that. I see bad managers wasting all their time trying to make this, you know, low performer who inherently is just that way to and be he's better. Comfortable that way, they yeah, they really don't want to. Instead change. of just realizing, okay, no, that's where they are, and that's why we have them in these positions because they're just gonna, they're always gonna do just enough to maintain things, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I that's I, what I, we need.
0: I I I was talking to a guy that uh, he you know. I asked him the question. I said, do you want to own your own business or do you want to be a right-hand man? And he's like, I would rather be a right-hand man. Great. I'm glad that you acknowledge that. And he's very driven. Like he really wants to – he actually listens to this podcast, so here's your shout-out for you. (laughs) But (laughs) he's very driven and really wants to do something – But he just said, he's like, you know, I I don't have the creative ideas to, uh, you know, to to really decide a vision of a company. And so he's like, I would really like to support someone. I want to be in a support role. And so putting this idea that everyone should be, you know, this, you know, this top entrepreneur, this top manager. I'm like, no, some people want different roles. And that's what makes the whole thing function well.
1: Uh, we have a number of episodes in the past where we do talk about uh, culture, demeanor, characteristics of individuals and people, and you need to need to understand that because uh, people just are inherently have different traits about them. And I don't want to go into much more. I'll let you go and uh, look at those episodes. But that's an important piece to understand. That that's why we have this 20, 60, 20 of how people interact and what they do things because of of different you know, how they were raised, where they were raised, Mm. their family culture. I mean, there's so many things that affect that do that, but you need to realize that that's part of it. And a a good manager will recognize that. Um, Bad managers are almost, uh, they're clueless when it comes to things when we talk about introvert, extrovert, things like that. Yeah. So
0: I want to jump back. When you were talking about lifestyle businesses and you were really talking about growth and growth models, uh, a couple of points that I want to make here first off, everyone has this belief that management is all about you know kind of like your your vision or it's it's this this idea that the way I think or the way that I act and I'm like no there are some tangibles with management that will determine whether you are a good manager or a bad manager and you should link your actions to those tangibles. let me give a, a very specific example. If you are growing your business, growth is managed on the balance sheet, not on the profit and loss. If you think that growth is managed by sales, that is bad management.
1: Yes.
0: Growth is not managed by sales. Period. End of story. If you don't understand that concept, if you're like, no, 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 that can't be, do some homework. Okay. Growth is not managed by sales. Growth is managed on the balance sheet of the uh, the financials. And there are three areas where you will fund your growth. You can fund it with equity, you can fund it with liabilities, or you can fund it with cash, cash from operations. And so if you are not funding your growth with equity, liability, or cash, or all three, or you know, a combination, yes, yes. if you have removed that funding, I don't care if you have great sales. You're killing your sales because you are no longer funding those sales. You have to fund the growth. And that's all done on the balance sheet side of things. And so I'll see these businesses or these business owners, and let's just walk through this real quick. So on an equity side of things, that means that you're putting your own money back into it, Well, a lot of business owners, they don't want to put their money back into it, especially if it's an established business. They're like, well, wait a second, you know, I'll do it for a startup, but I won't do it for an established business. And I'm like, well, then you're always going to be a $2 million company. You can't grow to a $5 million company if you're not willing to treat it like you would a startup. You know, a startup, you're trying to grow it from zero to, you know, 100000 well if i'm trying to grow from 2 million to 5 million i have to have the same mentality that i would have with a startup and so i got to put the equity in
1: yeah. or what well, the beauty of it is is literally if you're going from 2 to 5 you you almost have to look at it to say hey look i want to grow a 3 million dollar company how yeah. do i do it yeah i'm going from zero cuz that's that's what you're doing you know it's always interesting in sports that at halftime when it's 7-7 uh, seven, seven, mm-hmm. okay at halftime um, it, it, the reality is, it's a zero-zero ball game. Yeah. Okay. You're starting fresh. It's a level playing field. There's no one has an advantage. It's not a seven to fourteen football game, and someone's up a touchdown, and I got to make up some difference. No, it. A seven-seven. It's a zero sum. So when you think about growth, when I need to increase sales or profit or something else, you you have to look at it sometimes as if you're starting at zero. Yeah. And I then th- it changes that perspective on how you're going to grow versus thinking, oh, I just need to increase. Well. Yeah, but
0: so. I, I'm dumping equity into this, right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get that three million, zero to three million. I uh, you know I think that's a beautiful way to look at it. So if I'm going from zero to three million, but I'm not willing to put my own money into it because I'm like, I'm an established business, why should I have to put my own money into mm-hmm. it? And you say, well, what about the debt side? And you're like, well, I already have debt. I don't want to add debt to it. I don't want to burden the company with debt, so I'm not willing to take on additional debt. Well, that now leaves the cash. Well, what if I've taken out all that cash in the form of dividends or, I've taken a percentage of that cash out in the form of dividends because it's my company. I right. I want my cut of the company. Well, I just killed the only three way, and I will emphasize only three ways to grow your company. You have to fund those. Yeah. And so if I've killed the only three ways to grow my company, I can talk to my sales team all I want. <laughs> I can get after my sales manager and say, Doesn't Hey, you, you need to go out and make something happen. And it's like, with 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 what you know, what resources to grow the the company, you know, and and, and so, um, bad managers will not understand that their financial decisions will impact the management of the company, and then what's really bad is, okay, so I'm a bad manager and I've decided that I'm not going to put equity into my company, I'm not going to debt finance my company, and I'm going to siphon off a lot of the cash that would be used to grow my company, but I'm going to keep people in growth positions because you know Ooh. a lot of positions that I'm paying for are growth positions, and if I have failed to actually fund the growth then that is a wasted expense. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as hiring someone to be on a production line and having no product on the production line to produce. And I'd look at that and I'd be like, why are you standing around? Because there are no orders today, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And we can see that we should manage that, but it's like, why are you sitting around? Because I can't go after sales, sir. Yes, you can. Go out and pound the pavement. Won't do any good you are not funding any growth, yeah. You know, and so again, if you don't understand that concept, that that is a, an important concept to understand because you will kill your business by failing to fund it and then just keeping expenses high by, you know, paying for, uh, you know, growth positions. So anyway, that that was that was what was burning on my chest. I'm like, oh, got to get that one out there.
1: Well, and that, that's a great point because a lot of times when we think of bad managers, we think of uh, their way they interact with people, communication skills, whether they're nice or not, and we forget about the operational side of it that are, are they making good decisions based off of financials? Mm-hmm. You know, are they implementing good processes in place to help us be more efficient and effective so that uh, we can grow the company, which means growth means increased wages, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, matter of fact, that's probably a, one of a good business owner or manager as well as the company is growing. So wages are increasing as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, versus, you know, I see companies grow where um, now all of a sudden employees are working 60 hours, you know, an extra 20 hours of overtime. And I'm thinking, you're paying time and a half. Yeah. You're paying time and a half for that person. And you have 10 people doing that. You know, you could hire five more people. And take the burden off of them so they're not exhausted and dragging butt and production mm-hmm. and, and uh, morale is going down.
0: And you can afford to give them raises because...
1: Of the growth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. instead of working them to death. But I see it all the time still. Yeah. So yeah. that I would probably be another one up there to chalk up and when it comes to using your financials and the growth to strengthen your employees. Yeah. So I want to wrap up
0: on this. A, how do you know if you're being the bad manager? And B, what do you do about it? So, first off, this is not something, uh, you know, we're going to wrap this up in a couple minutes. You can't wrap this up in a couple of minutes. Uh -uh. (laughs) But uh, the first thing that I want to say is I want to say, who do you have that is giving you feedback? And what are those feedback mechanisms? So, you know, are you asking people, whether or not, and that is such a hard thing to do, is to ask someone, hey, am I any good at my job? (laughs) Yeah. But as a manager, you tell people all the time whether they're good at their jobs. Right. You know, and and so what's your feedback mechanism? And then the question becomes, what are you doing about it? When you receive that feedback, because human nature is to justify why, well— they don't understand that you know we we had to do this this year and the reason why we're not actually performing is because of this or you know whatever it's like okay as a manager what when was the last time that you admitted that you screwed up and what did you do about it did you just say oh i kind of screwed up you know would you write yourself up do you write up <laughs> your
1: employees the same you know like kind of laugh 'Cause I've never seen it happen, even though it probably should. <laughs>
0: well, but who gets to write the boss up?
1: Yeah, themselves.
0: Themselves. You know. Maybe if you have a board. Yeah. You know, I mean you might have a board that uh can have some some influence and some yeah, power. But that's rare to see. Yeah. In small business. So who gets to write you up? Nobody. Yeah. And so you have to check yourself. Yeah. Are you disciplined to check yourself? Most people aren't. And that's not a that's not a dig. That's not saying you need to get strong enough to do it. That's saying that you need to get a mechanism in place that, you know, that 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 checks whether you're doing a good job or yeah. not. Yeah, great, great advice. So, so, all right, with that, I think we'll uh, we'll end right there. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will catch you next time.
1: Thanks for listening